Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, Mark and I are going to talk about the software and tools that we use to run our business, not, you know, online marketing, not... Facebook, social media, SEO, none of that. Just the, the tools that kind of run the business, the email, that run the productivity and all that stuff. So, hey, Mark, how's it going? Good, thanks. Okay, so let's just get started with, I think, the one app that gets us going for pretty much everything is Google Apps, I would say. And Google Apps is it's basically a paid Gmail if you are a little bit sarcastic. But the truth is it's a lot more than that because you get Google Drive with it. You get a bunch of space in the cloud that you can use for storage and you get the Google Docs software, which is pretty good in itself. How do you use Google Drive usually every day? So first of all, like I just want to clarify for, for people who aren't aware, like Gmail and Google Apps are two separate things. Google Apps is a suite of software which allows you to use your own domain name, but use like the Google email and Google Drive, all that facility. So mark at authorityhacker.com, I log in through something which looks exactly like Gmail. And I have all the like labs features, all the cool Google email features, which oh, Gmail features in Google Apps, except with my Authority Hacker uh, email. So as Gail also mentioned, yes, there's a bunch of other bits of software there as well. Google Drive is, compare it to Dropbox, so it's like a cloud storage, I don't know, piece of software, which allow, which syncs with your 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 hard drive as well. If you if you download the app, so you can have all your files locally, but also automatically backed up in the cloud, and that allows you to access them anywhere. And it's just very very good, I find, for sharing sharing files. So a lot of the time we'll be working on like a, a presentation or PowerPoint, but like pretty. It has its own Google has its own proprietary version of that, but you know what I mean. And we want to share something or share an image file or something, and it's it's just so easy to do that in Google Drive as opposed to you know emailing files back and forth. It also allows us to collaborate. So if we're working on like a spreadsheet, building a list of I don't know some bits of information, blog posts we want to edit or something like that, we can collaborate live at the same time within Google, which is is really useful, obviously. Yeah, and I mean, it's like four euros a month here. I think it's like five dollars in the US per person. So it's not it's not a lot of money. You you're asking for like cloud storage plus email on your domain, which looks way more professional. Plus, basically, an office suite that you can use. You could be running your business just on this office suite, right? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the first thing you should set up whenever you're starting a, an online business is is Google Apps. The good thing with Google Apps as well is the Gmail is like you get all these extensions, right, in Gmail. And if I'm going to tell you a little bit about the extension that I have on Gmail, I have quite a bit. I have like Yesware that I use for outreach where you can do things like save outreach templates, you know, track who opened your emails, who didn't, etc. Uh, which you can't, I mean, I think you can use it with Outlook, but it's not nearly as good. I use Ystamp for the signature as well. So you can actually put call to actions in your signature, which allows you to drive traffic by sending emails to people when you just email normally. And I use Reportive as well. Reportive is basically a plugin that allows you to see the profile picture of people, their social 
media profiles, follow them on Twitter, do all sorts of cool stuff and have kind of like an interactive profile of the person you're emailing and talking to. And, you know, to use all of that, well, you either need to plug your email into Gmail, but it's a little bit hacky or you can, you need to use Google apps. And that's why I really like it. And if you want a desktop client, I use on Mac, I use an app called Kiwi for Gmail, which is essentially that it's essentially Gmail, sorry, just as a separate app. So it's, it's pretty cool. I'm sure there's plenty on windows as well. Yeah, I use Chrome and I just use log in. I have like um, a pinned tab at the top left of my my browser, so that's what I, what I use to to access it. The other thing I want to mention as well is that a growing number of other tools, such as Asana, which is one we're going to talk about next as well, actually allow you to log in using Gmail or Google Apps authentication process. So the same way, you know, a lot of things require you to log in via Facebook. It's the same thing with with Google. You can log in through a Google account. And if you have Google apps set up, you can do that through your your work email as well. Just good for keeping things sort of separate from your, your personal email. Yeah, it's good to separate things for sure, especially if you want to disconnect in a weekend or something. Just don't check that email address. Yeah, so, and I used to use Boomerang and Yesware and all that, but I actually stopped because I found that they were just lagging and slowing down my email quite a lot. And it's not, when we had our agency business, I found it was a lot more important to know who I was talking to. But these days, yeah, not really so much. It's good for outreach as yes, well. It's like if you're doing outreach, marketing outreach, then it's good. If you're just replying to your subscribers, not so much. Yeah. Okay. And then once you have your Google Apps set up, the next layer for our stuff is Asana now. We have tried a lot of teamwork platforms, to-do platforms, etc. The one before was Todoist, and we've had Basecamp for our agency. We've tried a lot, really. So far, like Asana is basically a to-do app for your team. As I said, it allows you to organize tasks between people and communicate and so on. And if you've tried a few years ago, you should definitely check it out again because they completely redid everything. It has a lot of really cool features now. Before, Asana used to just be a simple to-do listing, but now you can actually have conversations the same way you have them on Basecamp. You can create different calendars based on tags and projects and so on. And it's really good for, for example, editorial calendars. So, for example, this podcast has its own calendar and so on in Asana, and we can see where everything is at. There's a thread of discussion for each thing and so on. It's where we basically are collaborating not only with each other, but with every single freelancer we work with, writer, and so on. So we just invite everyone, and we can assign things, and they can we can actually choose whether they can see everything in Asana, or they can just see their tasks, depending on how close they are to our organization. So I quite like it personally. And it's also free. Yeah, that's worth saying. It's, up, it's free up to 15 users, but if you invite freelancers as guests... It actually doesn't count towards your user count. So you could really have a lot of people. I think ours has like 16 people or something right now. And it still shows too because it's just Mark and I as real users and everyone else is a guest where they can only see the tasks that we give them and so on. And what's really cool is it takes care of all the things like following up via email when a task is due, when it's late, etc. It emails them a summary. It's also... Allows you it when you send an email inside Asana, it sends them an email. So even if you're working with a freelancer that isn't checking it all the time because you're only giving them a task once in a while, it's gonna follow up with them. But at the same time, for you, you actually have an inbox inside Asana, so you can you can actually not cut the emails and just get the messages inside Asana and basically make your email a little bit more readable. 
So I personally like it quite a lot lately. Uh, we haven't been using it for a super long time, to be frank. So I want to give it a little bit of time before I say it's the ultimate one, but that's the one we're using right now, at least. Anything else to say about Asana? No, just try Like We've used a lot of other things in the past that you mentioned, like Basecamp and that. And I still think Basecamp is more naturally intuitive than Asana, yeah. but it's much more geared towards sort of agencies with clients. And you'll find Asana is much better for an internal communication, internal to-do list and, and, and stuff. At least that's my experience. Yeah. One thing I want to say as well, since we talked about Google Drive before, you can log in with uh, Google Apps inside Asana and you can actually upload your Google Drive files directly into Asana as well or save things. So it really is well integrated with these. It's integrated with Dropbox as well. And I really like lately what I'm doing is I'm playing a lot with automations. So for example, for this podcast, what happens is the person that edits the podcast, I actually drop this, the file, the recording that we have right now inside a folder. It creates a task automatically with IFTT, if this, then that, on Asana with that file. And then that person picks it up and takes care of it and eventually re-uploads it. And then when he re-uploads it into another folder on Google Drive, it automatically uploads it to SoundCloud. So it, you can actually build a lot of automations and Asana is part of that, which is pretty cool. The next tool that we use is Slack. And there's going to be a big debate between Slack and Skype because they essentially fill the same role in a business, which is kind of the live chat, instant communication versus the Asana would be more a replacement for email and Slack is more a replacement for like Skype or FaceTime or whatever people use, you know? Yeah. Of all the changes that we've made, I find personally that moving from Skype to Slack has been like the most noticeable improvement, most significant improvement in terms of productivity and stuff that I've found. Skype, I still use Skype. It has its uses. We're recording this right now through Skype just because our recording software that we, we've always had based on Skype. I still use Skype for talking with people outside our company because that's it's a global thing. Everyone has a Skype account in, in this industry. Like People will give you their Skype ID rather than before anything else. So I still use it, but very rarely do Gail and I ever ever use it, or very rarely do I use use it with anyone in our team. Instead, we use Slack, which is just, it's so much better built. Bear in mind, Skype's, what, like 14 years old or something like that now? But it's Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair, Microsoft has done an all right job, aside from one or two hiccups. It's, it's much better than it is. It still absolutely destroys your phone's battery. Uh, which I really dislike, but Slack, it's like, it feels like it was built yesterday by like guys in Silicon Valley that really get it. I always find it very difficult to like explain to people why it's better, but it's kind of like all of your communication in one place. Now, what does that mean? Well, you have like, you can set up different channels very, very easily and you have direct messages and stuff. And of course you can do the same in Skype. But how many times in Skype do you do that and you end up having multiple groups of the same people? And if you want to search across all your conversations, how do you do that in Skype? You can't. 
Whereas Slack has a much more uh, robust search functionality. You can sort of upload files and it indexes them within the search results. And it's just so useful for jumping around. Not to mention, you have a really, I have a lot of, you can customize and control the, the way Slack will notify you. If you know someone mentions your name or someone need, really needs to get hold of you, you can set it so it will notify you even though you've got the away thing mentioned. It's just it's really to really do, good. To defend Skype, you can do that on Skype too. Okay. okay. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. You can actually do that on Skype in a group. You can right-click notification settings and choose that as well on specific words. But I think one thing that I mean, the few things that make Slack really good is first, when you're on the move, it doesn't kill your phone's battery which is massive. It's like, if you run Skype on your phone, you're going to kill your battery something like 30% faster or 40% faster. It's crazy. It's poorly built. And you get a horrible battery life as a result of using the app. Slack doesn't do that. It's basically like the Facebook Messenger. It uses a little bit of battery, but not much. And so if you're moving a lot, if you're using, if you're communicating with your phone a lot, it's really good. Also, the app is much nicer on phone, which means that if you want to take a picture of something, and I do that a lot when I build these blueprints for Authority Hacker Pro, like I actually draw them on the whiteboard and then I send a picture of that and I just take my phone and snap a picture and just upload everything nicely. It's very, very easy. Another thing that's quite interesting is that on Skype, if you message someone that's offline, then they will only get the message that you send when you are both online. So if they log in, but you're logged off, they still won't get the message. You need to both be online for the message to go through. Whereas on Slack, if I send a message now and then I log off and Mark is logs in, he actually gets the message, which is super important in a business. Third one is it's properly integrated with third-party tools such as Google Drive, as we talked about earlier, but also Dropbox, Stripe, whatever. So you can actually create channels that are not just a chat, but they're also a feed of important stuff. For example, we use that for our customer support for Authority Hacker and Health Ambition so that actually the new customer support requests, they pop in in Slack. And so it's much easier for us to just click through. There's a link that appears, you click through, and you can answer the message right away, and you can turn off these email notifications, and you don't have to check your email all the time to deliver good quality customer support, which is Pretty cool. You can also plug a Senna in it and you see your new tasks or when people complete the tasks, etc. So it's, it's not just a chat. It's also a way for you to customize the notifications you get and so on. And finally, the search is much better. It's like you can just search for anything and find it. It will search across all discussions and so on. And also it's the search. Those- the yeah. search is not just much better. It's like I think much is too not big enough of a word to describe how different. I mean, the search alone is worth transitioning to Slack for. Yeah, put it that way. And the good news is it's actually free to to start. I think it's like up to ten members. I think it's free. So yeah, all you have to do is convince people to move from Skype to Slack, which is not easy. It's very complicated to convince people to do this kind of change. We actually tried as an agency, and people would not move. It was very difficult. It's like they would just run both, not use Slack, and that would be terrible. So if you don't have a team yet, definitely implement that now. If you have a small team, it's possible. If you have a big team, you can try it, but it's actually hard to make the transition. It's one of the hardest ones to transition the messaging apps. So that's basically it for Slack, I think. The next one is LastPass, and I think you should talk about that one because the truth is I still use one password right now. Okay, so LastPass is... Aside from Slack, it's probably the second biggest time saver app I've I've ever used. It's free. 
And basically what it is, is the idea behind it is you create one password, one strong password, which is the last password you'll ever have to remember. Because the app, and it's essentially a, a Google Chrome plugin, although it works in other browsers and, and, and whatnot as well, it will detect any password field. So for example, if you're signing up for a new service, say, you'll type in your email address and you'll create a password. Yeah. Well, it will automatically generate a password for you, which is much more complex. It'll have capitals and numbers and symbols and be much longer. And normally you wouldn't use a password like that because it's quite hard to remember. But the idea is that instead of remembering that password, LastPass saves them all within its like secure vault, I think they call it. And then in order to use that password, you just type in your the password that you remember, your last password. Or it, you can even set it so that it only requires that in certain circumstances. Or if you're logged in, then it'll, it'll automatically populate and stuff. So it's, it's quite sort of customizable, but it just saves you copying and pasting passwords, writing them down onto your keyboard or putting them in a Google Drive somewhere which is not the most secure or using really bad passwords like your mom's name, mom's maiden name or just stupid, stupid words which are very easy to sort of remember and perhaps, you know, you're sharing them with freelancers or something. If you're sharing like some kind of accounts, then it's there's obviously security implications there. But with this, it just... It just takes the headache away from remembering it all completely, and it's it's so good and it's so well built. The one downside of it is that it does pose what they call like a single point of failure, so that if your LastPass password gets hacked, or if the company LastPass even gets hacked, then all of your passwords for all of your sites are potentially compromised. Now, to date, nobody has managed to hack any of these companies who, OnePass is another one, who do this kind of this kind of password management. Because, you know, they are, I would hope at least, on the very, very forefront of protecting their, their password databases. It's all like super encrypted, much more than you would normally do. Normally do. Um, there have been some breaches, but like no password data, I think, was compromised. And you can Secure it even further by having like two-factor authentication and various other other things. But yeah, I mean, it's free to use. There is a paid version, which I believe gives you access on mobile as well. But I, I don't use it. I just use the free version, and it's it's awesome. If you scale up as well, the paid version, the enterprise version, allows you to create accounts for your freelancers and so on, and then just share specific tools with them. So they don't even have to know anything you just like add it, and then when they click on the Chrome extension, it just appears in the list of tools they can log into, and just click, and it just logs them in. You know, it's a pretty good way to, if you're firing someone and so on, you don't have to change any password. They don't ever have to know the password to log into that tool, and you just need to remove access from them, and then they won't be able to to use that anymore. So it's pretty cool. So it's something we actually haven't deployed yet, but it's something we definitely need to deploy at some point. That's basically it for LastPass, but yeah, having a password manager is massive. It's going to save you so much time. There is a little risk associated to it, but so far, so good. So we highly recommend that you guys actually pick one up. It's free, so LastPass. And there's going to be all the tools, actually. If you go on authorityhacker.com slash podcast, you'll be able to find this podcast, and you'll be able to join, to actually find them, and most of these tools are free anyway. The next tool I want to talk about is Sunrise Calendar. So we have talked about working as a team, communicating as a team, handling your email, handling your passwords. 
Then the next thing you want to do is handle your time. And handling your time, good calendar app is cool. And you could be using the default Google Calendar, but I find I find like Sunrise to be way better. It is a replacement and you can plug your Google Calendar into it. So that's what I do. I still have Google manage my calendar, but the client is Sunrise. It allows you to plug other apps such as Asana, for example, or Trello if you use them or Todoist if you use them, or many, many, many other apps. And it allows you to put all your to-dos and all your stuff, all your meetings on one calendar because of all these API integrations. It also allows you to create these meeting links where you click on a little link on the bottom right, you click meet, and it just like gives you a link, and then you just send that in an email. And people can choose the times you've selected and then book a meeting with you. It's a very easy way to pick a time to talk to someone, for example. So I really like it. I don't know if you use it, Mark, but uh, personally, I find it really good. I use it, yeah, as my only calendar I use. And the main reason I actually switched to it was because it allows you to have multiple Gmail and Google Apps calendars within one calendar. And it simplifies that massively. So I have, how many is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven Gmail slash Google Apps that I use every day. And so all of the calendars for all of the accounts are in, in here. So I have my personal one. I have different work ones for, you know, different websites we run all in one place. And it just it's much simpler. It, it just handles things like switching time zones if you're traveling much better. And it, yeah, I just, just find it much easier. The phone app is really good too, actually. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. So it's a, it's a big one. It's like, you know, the Google Calendar phone app is, is just very basic. This has like all the bells and whistles that you would want from a calendar app. And since we, you know, we move around a lot and we use our phones a lot, it's quite important for us that most of these apps we use have good phone apps and not all of them have that. So that actually is sunrise.am, I think. You can check it out. There's going to be the link on thoroughlyhacker.com slash podcast. So it shouldn't be a problem for you guys. And that's basically the calendar. Now, sometimes you want to automate scheduling appointments. And for that, I use a tool called Calendly. And Canly is a little bit like Schedule Once, except it's free. So once again, you don't have to pay for that tool. But if you want to organize like podcast interviews or meetings or that kind of stuff, and I use it for Authority Hacker Pro when I give these consulting calls, for example, then you just have this link that you give to people and you pick certain times and you plug it into your calendar. And then you put that into your autoresponder. So for example, if someone buys this special offer on Authority Hacker where they actually get a call with me, then it sends them the link directly and automatically schedules that they click on the link, they pick the time and they can talk to me and I get notified and I never have to talk to them. And I just talk to them the first time when they actually show up on the call. So Calendly is a good complementary tool with Sunrise to manage your calendar. I like it. I don't think you use it, right? No, I don't use it. All right. So the next tools is about taking screenshots and taking notes. I personally use Kitchen Evernote. I know Mark uses OneNote. Basically, it's very simple. Creating content involves taking a lot of screenshots or even just training people, taking screenshots, taking notes, annotating them, etc. I am terrible at Photoshop and all that stuff. I wanted something simple and Skitch is the one thing I use. And you know, if you read the Authority Hacker blog, you can see how many screenshots we take and how much we show you guys. And all of that is done with Skitch by Evernote. So that's one I really recommend for your screenshots. If you are a person that is going to train freelancers, all that is going to have to take screenshots for some reason, I highly recommend it. 
I disagree. Yeah. I think it sucks. I have it. I have. I don't. I don't use Evernote. I don't like it. I have Sketch, and sometimes I do use it if I'm doing like a particularly complex, you know, annotation with lots of arrows and stuff. I don't like it. I don't think it's built very well. It's difficult to edit things sometimes. It's like it doesn't, it never seems to do what I want it to do. There are other pieces of software out there which do similar tasks. The one I use, I wouldn't say it's better. It's just much simpler and much quicker for me at least is Awesome Screenshot, which is a Google Chrome plugin. And the idea is that you just sort of press the button and then it takes a screenshot of the screen and then takes you directly within your browser into like an editing window where you can put some arrows and write a few notes and then you press another button and it'll host it it'll upload it to your own uh, Google Drive if you connect that and then you it'll give you like a shareable link and you can really quickly give that link to anyone and they can access it from any browser so it it essentially it does the same thing as Sketch and Evernote I just find it easier and it means I don't need to use Evernote, which I don't really like. Okay, fair enough. I mean, Evernote, you kind of like love it or hate it, you know? Yeah. And they actually worth a lot of money now, but, but yeah, I like it. It's just, I guess, it's a, it's a getting used to do things. Yeah. Uh, I use, so yeah. Gail also mentioned about OneNote. I don't really use OneNote for screenshots because OneNote's not like, you can't really share stuff so well. It does, you can set it up, but it's not as good as Evernote for that. OneNote is... Basically, digital paper, the closest thing you can get to digital paper. And so I use that just for all my own personal to-do lists. Like if I'm sort of planning my week, I use it for making notes, doing research, just getting ideas, planning meetings, making notes of meetings, these kind of things that you would normally just use a pen and paper to, to write, to use. I use OneNote, OneNote to do that. And I think it's fantastic. I use it every day, all the time. Yeah, fair enough. It's, I haven't tried it, but that's why we're two on this podcast, so we can share different opinions, you know? In terms of taking videos, I do take a lot of videos, not just for Authority Hacker, but to train freelancers. So when you actually hire someone and train them how to upload your blog posts, how to edit something, how to do anything, when you need to deliver any kind of training, I really like to do screencast videos. So I just talk like I'm talking now, except you can see my screen. And I'm just explaining what I'm doing. And to do that on Mac, I'm using ScreenFlow, and it is pretty easy as well. It's a, it's just like click record and then click finish, and then just you can. There's a basic editor where you can just cut stuff out, etc. But it's very very simple, and it plugs into YouTube and Vimeo and Dropbox and all that stuff. So you can one click upload to all these things, and it's very easy to use. And alternatively, on PC, you can use Camtasia as well, which is essentially the same thing. It's they, they are very very similar. Yeah, Camtasia is more like a proper video editing suite. Like most professional YouTubers, for example, even some movie makers would use Camtasia to create it. It's a pretty heavy piece of software. But the the same company that make Camtasia also make a sort of light version, which is free. It's called Jing, uh, J-I-N-G. And you can use that to do, I think, I think it's time limited, so maybe five or 10 minutes, like screencasts. So you can just record what's on your screen and then sort of talk to it. So for example, if you're t- giving feedback about a website design or want to give some, train your uh, freelancer to edit some content or something like that, you can record your screen, do a screencast and record your voice at the same time and then upload that through this Jing software. And it's free to use. 
It's so, also a good way to create content if you don't want to write. If you want to make some affiliate money or something, just review some tools, do screencast, and use a Jing. It's free. And it's a good way to get started, you know? Yeah. So that's basically it. And finally, this one is not really productivity. It's kind of like working environment, but I listen to a lot of music when I'm working. And I used to use Spotify until like a few weeks ago and actually just switched to Google Play Music, mostly because it's half the price here in Hungary. And I was like, why would I pay double when I can get the same thing? And so I've switched to Google Play Music and they actually have, there, there is a Mac player called Radiant Player. I think it works on PC as well. And it basically does exactly the same as Spotify and it's free for two months. And then I think it's nine bucks in the US, but here it's like well, half of that. It's like five bucks or something. Yeah, if you're listening to music when you're walking, and if you're tired of playing YouTube playlists and you don't want to ruin yourself, I like Google Play Music quite a lot, actually. I don't listen to music when I'm working, but I, and I, I still use Spotify just because I've always used Spotify. But uh, I mean, you, when you mentioned that Google plays a lot better, uh, it just so happens that we haven't like sat down face to face in like in yeah. two weeks or something. So we haven't like you haven't showed it to me yet. But that's like when we next meet. That's what what you're gonna do. So if Gail's changed, there must be a valid reason for it. So I'll I'll investigate. Yeah, I mean, basically, what I like is like, in, I mean, you can't really listen to music because you care too much about it. But me, it's like I love listening to like lyricless electronic music. It actually makes me a lot more productive. So like state of trance, etc. It's perfect. I just listen to that. And it's like, I don't really care about the music itself, but it just, you know, the rhythm gets me moving faster in my tasks and so on. So it's actually, I would call it a productivity tool. I'm pretty sure I'm more productive when I play that kind of stuff. Yeah, just for, for me, whenever I'm listening to, especially to trance music or, or any electronic music, really, it just, I always get distracted thinking, oh, who's this by? What else have they produced lately? And like, I start looking for music to play because I, I like to DJ as a, as a hobby. So it's really actually quite distracting for me. Yeah. So I just I have to have complete silence when I'm working. All right. Well, that's basically it for our productivity apps. What you can do is you can go on authorityhacker.com slash podcast and let us know what other apps you use. And yeah, I'd like, I'd like to know if there is something we forgot. Otherwise, we'll see you guys in the next episode. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training. <laughs>